we have been working on a case. It is two years. So two years ago, this thing happened and nothing has come out. There's been no media coverage in the two years since. So I got a tip uh, from two bases at the time, but the tip was basically like something happened and you should look into it, click. And I'm like, oh no, like, but it was, you know, from a high up. Let's show the first video and let's talk it through so people can experience it kind of like how we did. Secrets, cover-ups, and strange phenomena. UFOs and ideas that challenge reality itself. All these mysteries, all this time. Are we ever gonna get to the bottom of these? My name is George Knapp. I dig into news stories that others can't or won't. I'm Jeremy Corbell, and for some reason, people tell me things they probably shouldn't. And this is Weaponized. Weaponized. This is Weaponized. Welcome back, everyone. Hey, Jeremy, how's it going? What's up, George? Good to see you again on Weaponized. Hey, we're in episode 18. We're having a great time. Yeah. We get a lot of feedback from uh, our listeners and those who watch on YouTube. And it's been fun. I mean, it's very supportive. The weaponized audience out there, they like what we're doing, most of them. Um, periodically, we like to give them a little reminder of what the program is supposed to be. At the start, I, obviously, we've admitted our interest is in UFOs, UAPs, whatever you want to call them. And it is a UFO, UAP-centric program. But we have other interests. There are other things going on in the world. And we've said from the beginning, we kind of like to explore other ideas, you know, creative people, filmmakers, artists, musicians, uh, folks like that. Interesting people with interesting lives and sometimes it intersects with UFOs, but not everything is about UFOs, right? Well, first of all, you have other interests than UFOs. Yeah, I do. You know, <laughs> okay, I that's read good. books, I watch movies. You don't you know. say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that that is true, however, this episode's about UFOs. This one is about this UFOs. This one's about UFOs, For sure. yes. Make everybody happy. Um, yeah, it's, it's gonna be a good episode, but before we talk about that, I want to know, I just wanna catch up with you. We, we haven't hung out in a little bit. Uh, you have an explosion of mantises in your yard right now. Yeah. Tell I, me about I that. I can't remember if I've talked about it on this program before, but uh, praying mantises. So I had an, uh, a mantis that showed up in my yard in Las Vegas I think it's eight years ago now, and it actually was in the pool. I thought it was a piece of wood floating in the, in the pool, and I scooped it out and I realized, oh man, it's a mantis, it's a dead mantis, which I, I just love those little beings. So I put it out in the shade thinking, well, maybe it'll bounce back, look like it had drowned. And uh, I go in the house, I come back like a half hour later, that mantis is standing at the door, at the door, wanting to come in. Whoa, whoa, little guy, hold on a second. I picked him up and I put him in a, there's a little flower bed in our courtyard uh, where we grow mint and other uh, uh, herbs and things like that and put him in there and it blossomed into a mantis sanctuary. The following year we had 20, 30, 50 mantises in there and then it was hundreds and each year almost to the date on May 1st, April 30th, May 1st, more mantises come. So I'm in the middle of mantis season right now. This week has been an explosion of little baby mantises. And people wonder, well, what's the point? Well, they're just amazing little creatures. Plus, you know, we've heard some stories from mutual friends of ours, Stuart. That's what I was gonna ask. So yeah. Stuart Davis, he right. runs a podcast called uh, Aliens and Artists, or right. Artists and Aliens, right. Artists and Aliens. Right. Yeah. And he had an, an experience on the New Year's Eve with an eight foot tall mantis. And a lot of people have said they have these mantis alien encounters. I don't know if they're real or not. I don't know if they really do look like eight foot tall mantises, but why not cover your bet? So I'm, I'm thinking it doesn't hurt to be nice to these praying mantises just in case the alien overlords decide to, to land one of these days. But I, I, I dig them. Anyway, this is a really big week. Um, we'll, we'll put some images up maybe of these mantises as, as they come out. It's like they, they put these little egg, uh, they look like condo towers, mantis condo towers. And then 50, 100 of them come up out at the same time. And uh, they're amazing. I mean, it's, I don't know much about it. All I know is that if I get 50 texts from George Knapp, it's gonna be cats, <laughs> mantises, or UFOs, yeah. like that, or air conditioning problems. It's gonna be something yeah. like that. Those are my interests. Yeah. Okay, right. well, the mantises, uh, by the way, they're 
fucking brutal, man. I mean, are they the ones that like mate and then eat their mates? Yeah, and I think I think these little baby mantises, if there's nothing else around, they probably eat each other. That's where a lot of them end up going. I've been seeing all these videos online of mantises devouring like entire spiders or entire animals. Um, anyway, Lizards, but, yeah, birds, yeah. That, that's that's freaky. If the planet was run by mantises, we'd be screwed, man. Well, it might be run by mantises. We just don't know. Uh, on the UFO front, yeah, a lot of lot of news this week. Uh, a lot of things happen. Our mutual friend, Dr. Gary Nolan of Stanford University, gave an interview. He has made these kind of statements before, but it was on a new platform and it gained uh, a great exposure, where he made definitive statements that some kind of alien intelligence. I think he implies it's ET is here, it's always been here, and it is here now. And, um, and he made reference to whistleblowers, some events in Washington, D.C. of the past week that uh, some bombs were dropped. You and I interact with whistleblowers, some of the, the biggest ones that are still to be made public. I wanted to get your sense of what you made of Dr. Nolan's remark. Yeah, so first of all, for people who don't know who Dr. Gary Nolan is, he's a hell of a guy. I remember we were in, uh, Alabama, and we were there for a conference, you and me, and I was pressuring him, come get a whiskey with me, come get a whiskey. I didn't think he'd show up. Man, he showed up. So he's a hell of a guy. But what people need to know about Gary is that he's a scientist, that he has been interested in this topic and, and forward speaking about it for a long time. Additionally, this is a guy that has clearances and contracts with our government, and he did do in-depth studies on the human brain on military individuals that had close proximity to UFOs. This is under OSAP, which you've told the world about for many years now. But with Gary, he's really had a front row seat to what was secret at one time about what is going on with the human brain when people have close proximity encounters with UFOs. So when someone like that speaks, it's not frivolously. We know he has good sources. As a scientist, we know that he's had good connection to this subject. So I was really taken aback. He said this kind of thing before, but it was like, wow, he really threw down. So mad respect for Gary Nolan. What, he, what I did hear in that is that his confidence that the UFO reality is real, that these are machines from somewhere else, that we don't know who's operating them, but, but also about whistleblowers. He made a statement, if I recall, that he says not, not only ha are people coming forward, but they've told locations of where this hardware, this alien hardware, straight up like Bob Lazar talk, this alien hardware, where it is. And I can confirm to you and I, you can confirm to me that this is, we know this to be true, that this has been presented to Dr. Kirkpatrick, at least presented to him. Can he follow up? Can he make sure these are valid claims? I don't know, I still am very skeptical if he can do that. But we know that some of the witnesses we've spoken with, that they have conveyed within the, the classified setting where the freaking hardware is for these, this UFO technologies, and that was, was huge. He also said during, or the little bit that I saw from that is, well, let's, let's just stop there. Alien hardware locations. So the question is, uh, how much of that information has already been conveyed to Congress? Right. And what will we, they do with it? Expectations, of course, are, are high right now. People think this is the year. You know, we've only heard that for 50 years or so, that this is the year that disclosure, it's all come busting out. And I appreciate the optimism of UFO world. But again and again, it's been Lucy in the football. Just when we think things are going to break, um, you know, it, the rug gets pulled out, the, the ball gets snatched away. Uh, I think that there is definite progress in the past five years, six years now, since that New York Times story came out. A lot has been learned. Uh, the public has learned a lot. Congress has learned a lot. But it doesn't necessarily mean what our public might have in mind for disclosure is imminent. Um, there are still some big hurdles to be overcome. Let's say you have whistleblowers who will tell Congress, this is the building where it is. A, can you, do you have the authority to go in and get it? B, is it still there? C, even if it is there and you get it and you uh, confirm that it's real, the testimony is real, what do you do with it? Does that mean you can release that info? Maybe not because of national security considerations. And even if you can do that, does it move the needle? And I don't know the answer to any of that. 
Yeah, I, neither do I. I, I. I've been staying away from the, the Twitter wars and that yeah. kind of thing, but we, we have some friends. So Danny Silva texted us the other day on this thread with Joe Murga, and also I like to call him uh, UFO Jesus, but our friend Ryan. And Danny said, you know, why aren't you guys, what, what do you get? You guys are the only ones not saying there's some big UFO bomb about to drop. And I was kind of like, what UFO bomb? I, I don't know what's, what's gonna happen. I don't have a crystal ball, but I guess a lot of people have been coming forward and saying UFO disclosure, it's imminent, it's gonna happen in the next year. Man, I never make those predictions. Just even trying to deal with hearings right now, trying to get the right witnesses, you know, to be there. It, it can be so politicized that you know things slow down. So to answer Danny publicly on a text he sent us, I don't know, man. I don't know there's some big disclosure event about to happen. In fact, I, I err on the side of caution like you. I have no direct personal knowledge that there's gonna be some bombshell coming out from our government about yeah. this. I mean, somebody else out there, their idea about what disclosure will be might be very different from what government officials, military officials, members of Congress might consider to be disclosure. Uh, if they would go as far as to saying, there is an alien presence, a non-human presence, these are machines flying around that are not built by humans, that would be huge. Yeah. I'll believe it when I see it. I mean, that, is, that would represent a profound change and a profound statement with far-reaching ramifications from our government if it was ever made. But man, we, we already are at a point though where Congress, Senate, everybody's excited to protect whistleblowers, to get this information for it. So at least there's the intent right now. And that has been a big change is that this forward-facing questioning, people are talking about having like a church-style committee uh, to really get into you know where the hardware is being held or the bodies, right? I think that is like, huge progress that we are at this point now. Can Arrow move the ball along? I don't know, but I, I do feel optimistic still, George. I feel optimistic that we are in a different world now where this stuff is being talked about. Well, I'm optimistic that progress has been made and progress will be made, but uh, to get to the point of where somebody might call it disclosure, I am, I am not optimistic about that. There are so many built-in hindrances to that the national security uh, apparatus. The, the national security considerations are part and parcel of, of this technology if it is from somewhere else and it is advanced and it has incredible military capacities, then there are going to be limitations on what can be said publicly. There's, just don't get around it. it. Well, agreed. So, but we have people that have been champions. So when we see these public hearings, there have been some people that have you know stood out like Representative Gallagher. He asked some incredible questions at that open hearing, the, the previous one, so two hearings ago. The fact we've been having hearings is cool, but we've also had conversations with people. Let's give some props to some people who have been fighting a little bit. Tim, Tim Burchett. Yeah, yeah, uh, Congressman Burchett has um, really stepped up and said, you know, we, we wanna get this information out. We wanna make sure what's going on. We've had personal communications that- Two weeks ago, we walked out of this room outside on the curb and had a conversation with him. He's in it for the long haul. This is not just a fad for him. He told us that he's been following this like since the Art Bell days uh, on Coast to Coast AM and is deeply uh, committed to getting to the bottom of it. I mean, he's a flamethrower. That guy, that guy does not pull punches, but his interest is deep. I mean, his knowledge of the topic is deep. Yeah, I don't know a lot about politics, but what I do see is that across the board on both sides of the aisle, that people are, um, at this point, getting more informed and eager to get witnesses right there in open congressional hearings. So all I'm gonna say about that is that I have high confidence that we are getting to a point where the public is going to see that. And as a part of the public, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I, I, there are whistleblowers. We know some of them. We know some of them and what they've told Congress and what they've told Arrow. Um, They've told, talked about legacy programs, where things might be. How many witnesses who've had hands-on experience that have touched the craft, worked with the metamaterials, how many of those folks have already spoken to Congress? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, that, that's the real question, right? Is, is if you get people who had direct contact with the, this technology, like whether or not people believe Bob Lazar, that's, that's what his claim, that's what he's, his account. So the question is, 
how many people have had enough access to really bring that forward in those settings and put people on task to be able to go figure out, you know, is this true and where is it? We know it is true. It's just a matter of where is it and, and how much power do they have to investigate it? Like, I'd like to believe that Dr. Kirkpatrick of Arrow is going to be able to make progress. My suspicion and what we have been told is that maybe he's, he's, uh, he's about fed up with the process, that he might not be around beyond the first of the year, that he might move on, that he's frustrated by some of the limitations put on him by other folks within the Department of Defense. I'd like to root for him, I'm wishing him well, but I'm not sure how much progress he might be able to make. Obviously, there's a lot of information that is in the pipeline that gets stopped before it gets to him. We've revealed examples of that. The Mosul Orb and the Baghdad Phantom that we revealed to the world on this program uh, did not make their way to Arrow. They're probably there now. But there's another example. It well, well, hold on. And, and neither did neither did any of the 2019 from the USS Omaha, the USS Russell, the thermal, the, the infrared, like everything that, that we put out, none of that had, had gone up the proper chain of command. I'm really hoping that that was healed in some way. And, and we have something more that I think we're gonna do, but I, I wanna go back a little bit to just catching up with, with you. Uh, so I know that you brought the Skinwalker Ranch story to the world. You brought the OSAP story to the world. When I'll, uh, there, We'll talk more about that later, but a lot of people didn't understand that there was a, a UFO, I call it a mother program, that handled everything for 22 million bucks, and, and you broke all those stories. Uh, one of the things that I, I think is exciting is there's a new project that, that is happening around the orbit of what you did. Can you give us all a hint? Yeah, so um, as I've explained on this program and in other interviews, uh, my interest in Skinwalker Ranch started in the uh, mid 90s, not long after Robert Bigelow uh, and his NIDS team took up residence on the ranch. They started studying the ranch, had all these incredible experiences, UFOs, cryptid creatures, poltergeist type activity, cattle mutilations, you name it. And they would let me in on some of it. I was like a fly on the wall for a lot of it, but could not report it. Around 2000, I finally convinced uh, Mr. Bigelow to let me go on the ranch, took a photographer and intended to make a film. Uh, after visiting there eight or nine times, I think, and shooting video, Mr. Bigelow changed his mind, thought the film would be a bad idea, turn it into the Area 51, a paranormal site to be overrun by crazy UFO people, and he was right. <laughs> he was absolutely right. So, uh, so the film project was dead. And then I pestered him a little bit more and said, can I write about it? I won't say where the ranch is, as if you know people figure it out. And he gave the okay. And in 2002, I wrote these articles for Las Vegas Mercury. And then three years later, collaborating with my friend, our friend, Dr. Colin Kelleher, we put out a book called Hunt for the Skinwalker. And it told this incredible story. And it, it did really well. It, it, you know, it put Skinwalker Ranch on the map. Um, the book was not perfect. It was soft cover. We didn't have any photos in it. There were some things that we could not include. But now there's a new platform and a new project, and we're pretty excited about it. I don't want to give, do too much plugola here, but it is kind of cool. It's a company called Boom. They're a graphic novel comic book company. They've, uh, we've been negotiating back and forth for a number of years with them. And finally, they've done the green light for to make a graphic novel series uh, based on our book, Hunt for the Skinwalker. It's already in the works. They've hired uh, the writer and the artists, and it's really exciting. Uh, the, I think the issue number one will be coming out in September. Eventually, they'll put one, issues one through five into a, a book form, a graphic novel form. But uh, along the way, they have this Kickstarter campaign going where people could get in on the ground floor. And among the little extra goodies that are offered is something that I really would like to have. And that is a hardcover version of that book. They're going to do a hardcover version of Hunt for the Skinwalker, expanded and updated. Colm and I are, are writing new material for it. We're going to include photos. We're going to include some documents in there, some timelines of things that have never been made public before uh, to go along with the graphic novel approach. And it's really exciting. So, so you get this time to kind of tell your story and kind of what you researched all those years, but include 
documents and footage and extra bits. And yeah, I just want to ask you about that on the show because I was excited when I saw that stuff come up. And I, I congratulations, I think that's super cool. Yeah, it's gonna, it's thrill. I'm thrilling, it's thrilling to work with these really talented folks and it's fun. I mean, I learned my vocabulary from comic books growing up. I bought all that stuff as a kid. I'd be a wealthy, wealthy man if I had saved all those comics from, from when I was a youngster, Fantastic Four and Thor and Hulk and Spider-Man and first editions of DC stuff, but I didn't, they, they lost. I mean, there's a million people out there listening to this now who think the same thing happened to their comic book collection, mom tossed it out or something. But, um, so I love the comic book genre. This is a chance to tell the story of Hunt for the Skinwalker to a brand new audience in a, on a new platform. Uh, it'll be fun. It's easier than reading the actual book. But if you wanted to supplement it with a book, we're going to have a new edition and, and a lot of other things that go along with it. We'll put some information on the screen for people who are interested in it. Uh, yeah, it's not a hard book to read. It's an exciting book to read. Um, anyway, so listen, today what I was thinking, man, is... We know that there has been this kind of disconnect of events that occur and then getting them kind of not only out to the public, but kind of up to the chain of command, like getting stuff to Arrow and getting it there in the right place. So I think we should, uh, we have been working on a case. It is two years. So two years ago, this thing happened and nothing has come out. There's been no media coverage in the two years since. When, when this first kind of came into my awareness, it had not, it, it has not been exposed to the world, but why it was important is because it was at a military base. And that was really interesting. That's an incursion, right? If you have something over a military base, there were a flood of reports that I got of triangle shaped craft incursions over military bases. Now, uh, I got a, a tip, a, a heads up. You know, who are you going to call? I don't know. Well, just as a way of background, the place where this happened, it's 29 Palms. Yeah. It's the largest U.S. Marine base anywhere. It's right in your backyard. You lived in that area for a long time. You had a lot of friendships there. So if anybody's going to get this information about something that happens at 29 Palms, it'd be you. Yeah, it, it's in my backyard. I'm going to hear the bombs going off. But yeah, it's a, it's a huge military base. Uh, actually, a lot, of, uh, a lot of Navy people will come to uh, Pappy and Harriet's, which is one of my favorite saloons in the area. But it's, it, it's a Marine base. And what's really interesting about this is that I got a tip. So let me just tell, I guess, just tell, tell the, the basics. Story. Yeah. yeah. So I got a tip uh, from two bases at the time. But the tip was basically like something happened and you should look into it, click. And I'm like, oh no, like, but it was, you know, from a high up, you know, so I'm like, something probably did happen. So then being able to find people who were there training at that time, I thought this is gonna take me forever. How am I gonna do this? It wasn't 36 hours after the event, I got people on the phone, I got images, I got videos. I was like, holy shit, this is, this happened. Something happened. So. What happened is there was a, a craft that came over this military, it's called installation, this military place. And it was reported to me that it was looked like a V formation. It was like a triangle by angle of observation. And as this imagery and video is coming in, I, I started asking people, I started reaching out to everybody I knew that could know somebody that was on the ground at that time. And as the imagery and video came in, it was corroborative, different angles, same event. This is what I would call a mass sighting. It was more than 50 people that I personally know were staring up and looking at this object at one time. It resembled to me like the Phoenix lights, how you see that perfect V-shaped row of lights. So this will progress as we talk about it, because my skeptic mind is saying, oh, it's over a military base, probably some military weaponry. Let's show the first video and let's talk it through so people can experience it kind of like how we did. What is that?
so that was the first clip that I saw. And in the timeline of the event, because I have so many videos and, and images now, there's an, a sense of astonishment. What is that? That's what you hear in the video. And the thing is, somebody was just standing outside and this thing just appeared. And in, in actuality, they could see the body of it. In, in the footage, you can't see the body because it's like you know an iPhone sticking up towards the sky. But that was the first video. It was kind of like not a lot of people were outside of the barracks at that time. And it was just like, what is that? And then suddenly there's a little hubbub and, and you hear murmuring and remarks and, and the crowd outside looking at this thing gets bigger. Yeah, so the word starts spreading. Hey, come outside, check this out. But that had already been up in the uh, vicinity for maybe four minutes by the time the first video is being taken. So, you know, they grab their cell phones, they start videoing the sky. And again, it's, it's black on black. So I'm like not that impressed because it's like you can't see that much. But as the crowd starts forming and everybody's looking up, that's when you start you know, hearing people kind of get more excited. So let's check out the second video. Yeah, the audio is great too. Yeah. <laughs> Those are not loom rounds because loom rounds fall. Yeah. And, and nobody shoots in a five gun section. No, you can see like an outline of something. Yeah. It's moving. Take what you got? to your leader. Oh, hell no. Yo, we got aliens out here, dogs. My phone camera says. Yo, this is fucking weird. We got UFOs outside. Yo, hey, we're, everyone's out here. These are U.S. Marines. They're among their buddies. They're, they're the toughest guys in the world. And it's kind of, sort of, you can sense a little bravado there. Uh, you know, it's aliens and I'm not afraid of it kind of implied thing. Uh, but, but um, you know, obviously they, are, they are, can see that something unusual is underway. Yeah, yeah, it was, so from all descriptions, from everybody that I've talked with that was actually there on the ground, it was really kind of like chill at first. And then as people were coming out, you kind of hear, well, it's moving. So apparently this craft, it was just slightly moving, but it was mainly paused in one place, but there was zero sound. And so this thing is there and people are kind of being like, oh, it's aliens, it's UFOs. They, they, they realize that it is different than anything that they had seen before. They also, you hear them say, you know, those aren't flares um, and nobody shoots in a, in, a, in a five section, whatever they said, I don't remember the video, but they're, they're basically trying to figure out what it is that they're seeing because it's a little bit different than something that they've seen before. But it kind of increases, you know, more people come out, there's a lot of excitement. So th there's a couple more videos I want to show you and, and see what you think about this. So next one, let's do that. Yo, I'm about to be one of those crazy old motherfuckers. What is this shit? You're going to see me in my basement. Now it's not showing up in my camera. So I like the fact that the guy pans over and shows the barracks yeah. as a reference point because otherwise you have no reference at all. You have lights in a sea of inky darkness. Yeah, so that was the first thing. Like when I saw the barracks and I, I got tipped off to it, I went and did a, a search and it was actually Camp Wilson. So yeah. this is 29 Palms military base, but Camp Wilson was the kind of specific little area that they were. And I could recognize those barracks in two seconds. So that was nice that they gave that perspective and then kind of went back up to the sky. I mean, the kids are funny. They're like, I'm about to be one of those crazy old motherfuckers. You know, they're like, they're like, what is this? You know, um, that base is 596,000 acres, wow. uh, 900 some square miles. It's gigantic. They do all kinds of training out there year round. Those Marines are used to seeing things in the sky. It's part of their training, planes and, and flares and maybe balloons and things of that sort. Obviously, you can tell from the tone of their voice, this looks different from what they're used to seeing. Yeah, absolutely. And it is a, a live training range. Um, just a couple weeks ago, I heard bombs going up. You can feel them when you live out there. You feel those bombs going off. So it is, it, it is an area that is of high activity. And a lot of these Marines have been in the military for quite some time. So they know what normal 
uh, aircraft and weaponry looks like. So you kind of felt this like growing sensation of like, what's going on here? And then all hell breaks loose. I mean, it's, it's hilarious. They're, they're laughing, they're screaming stuff, but I, I wanna play it just as it came to me. So you see these different moments and this is, the actual timing of it. Like these clips are in order as I'm showing them to you. So this last one's kind of funny, it's pretty neat. I told you all this research wasn't for nothing. I knew aliens were real. There's more lights These around it. I love the color commentary that goes along with this. A couple of questions come to mind. It looks like the lights are blinking on and off. Is that a, an affectation from the camera or is it clouds or what do you make of that? Yeah, the, the lights were not blinking on and, and off. There's the in-focus, out-of-focus thing that you can see in some of these clips, but the lights were, were steady, but there were some auxiliary lights and I don't have a bunch of that in the footage, but all the witnesses were saying that, you know, kind of like a sparkle, there were tiny little things around it at times. I don't have good footage of that, that's just witness report. But it was mainly these, these five lights in this V formation. It, it very much looks like the Phoenix Lights uh, video that, that the world has seen. It makes you wonder, what the heck is this? So uh, obviously it's a military base, they do a lot of training out there. Why not flares? Couldn't it be flares? Because that's the explanation people will come up with for this kind of a thing. Right, so the object was, was sitting there. So the, I'm not gonna say object anymore, it was a craft. The craft was sitting there and it was, the, the, the eyewitnesses could see the silhouette at night. You know, you heard it in one of the clips. They could see a silhouette of the, the triangle by angle of observation. Some people would say pyramid if it's three-dimensional. But anyway. <laughs> so no, don't even go there. Don't yeah. even go there. It's a triangle by angle of observation. So the, the thing is, is that it was sitting there and it was, the, the thing that was most ominous from people I've talked to is that it was absolutely silent and it was big. And, and the size of it. Now you're asking about if it was flares. That's, yeah. a, that's a very common, th that's yeah. first thing I That'd wanted. Be the first debunking tactic that we used, right? Yeah, so you heard in an earlier piece, nobody shoots in a five gun row or some, whatever his exact words were. He was saying that when you're dropping flares or something like that, you have a pattern that you create. It's never like that. But the, here's the, the issue. The issue is these lights were a totally different color than flares. These were more reddish. When you have like lumen flares, which are illuminating rounds that you shoot up to highlight and illuminate the area, totally, totally different color. It'd be great if you had a comparison, a side-by-side -side comparison. That would be great. Flares for, you know. That would be great, but also, I, I just wanna say also, flares descend, yeah. right? So there's, there's a rate at which they descend. They're on parachutes. So this was not flares. This thing sat up there absolutely still, maybe a tiny little forward movement at one point. It sat there absolutely still, but more importantly, rather than it's not descending over 10 minutes, the, the eyewitnesses could see a shape. Now we don't see it in the video, but the eyewitnesses could see the triangle shape. However, we lucked out. The Marines, a, different, a totally different detachment, they shot up some lumen rounds, some flares, to illuminate this craft to see if they can get a better look at it. And so what you're gonna see right now is a video. It's kind of out of focus at first. So you see these kind of more bright yellow, white lights. And you'll see as the camera focuses, they're starting to descend right on top of this craft that was there. So we can, we can clearly see now what flares look like and what this string of lights on a craft look like. The odd part is, and, and the video clips out right, at, right after, but as these lumen flares drop down, those lights, from my eyes, appear to just kind of blink out in succession. However, the people that were there, they say that the entire craft disappeared. The craft itself was no longer there because they could see a little bit better than, than this kind of poor footage that we have. Yeah, you have to wonder, how would it react? You shoot flares above it so it can to be light illuminated. It how might it react if it's intelligently controlled? And let's see it. Yeah, so that was what was interesting. Let's see that next clip.
all right, those, the, the dominant image in that is these flares. It's a big glowing thing. And then it looks like the lights on this craft uh, either disappear or they're out of focus. Yeah, so, so that's what, so they shot up these lumen rounds, which are a different color. And while the craft is stationary, these lumen rounds start descending. Then what happens is, as it's getting close to that craft, what, what I see is that the, the camera is going just a little out of focus, and, and that's right where the clip ends. But everybody there said it was gone. Like, it, it's as if it just blinked out. It was no longer there. So we, we don't have that footage of, of that exact moment. I don't have it yet, although there were a lot of people there. So, yeah. hey, everybody. If you have more footage, send it our way. Well, that's an interesting point, is that you and I were in communication. You're sharing with me as this process is underway. You're trying to get as much info, as many images as you can, and you're encouraging these guys to send it. And you got a heck of a lot. Um, any photos that would go along with this? That'd be pretty cool to see some still images. Oh, yes. I, I tasked people with not only going around and airdropping and getting me a bunch of images, but also to go the next day and show me what does it look like from your angle of observation during daytime, right? So back to this clip, I, I think it's important to note that this, this was an object. It was a freaking big object. The, the estimates are between and they said it could be bigger, but between a half of a size of a football field to like, I said, what's something you know? Okay, three bedroom house, two stories, but, but I think it's bigger, right? So the object was big, the eerie thing was that it was silent, and then you've got these illumination flares that are coming down so you know what a flare looks like, right? But you, you catch it, I, I think the camera's going out of focus right then, but everybody said as soon as those lumen flares got to the point where that craft would have been illuminated, you could see it better. Yeah, they, it just vanished was their words. It vanished. It was no longer there. I said, what, the lights went out? They're like, no, the body of it, everything, gone. How many people do you think were out watching it, at least from the particular vantage point that we're talking about at any given time? So I know for sure that there were... A, a, 50 plus people standing in that same proximity at Camp Wilson. But I'll tell you this, man, uh, there was a big response. We'll talk about that in a second, but there was a big response to this. So obviously, a military base like ours, 29 Palms, they're gonna have radar, they're gonna have thermal, they're gonna have all sorts of assets that are put to track on whatever this incursion was. So I am hoping that by pushing this forward a little bit, that we're gonna get some more witnesses coming forward. Maybe, maybe they can explain it. Maybe they can explain it to us. But if nothing else, we can get the data. So I'm hoping more people come forward. But you asked about photos. Yeah. So a bunch of photos came in. I, I got photos of like the line of lights of 60 plus five ton carriers and, and Humvees. There were helicopters that were put up into the air and were circling until 11.30 p.m. This so, happened about 8.30 p.m. Yeah. So the base did respond. A big Somebody time. at base command responded. This was a big response. Helicopters, planes, and personnel. In, in fact, the, you know, in, in fact, people were impressed by the response. But let's talk about the photos real quick. Let me show a photo of just at night, like what it looks like with like a camera. Again, you don't see much. You just see black, inky night, and then you see some lights in a row. Let, let's show that photo okay. now. I mean, that photo is pretty cool. There's, a, there's a, a building from Camp Wilson right there, and that thing is clearly in the background of Camp Wilson. You still can't really make out the shape from the photo, but it's, they're in proximity. You get a general idea of it. Yeah, so for me, it's like the, the cumulative stuff that was coming in. So I get people at higher command telling me, there's an event, you should go for it. I'm like, okay, cool. I don't know anybody right now, you know, but I was able to, to figure out and, and through friends and whatnot, bam, got a bunch of people. I knew, I knew it had happened, I knew it was there, but getting that one image was, was pretty cool because it really sets the position, it sets the, the location. But I was like, man, I, I wish there was a better image, you know? And I know, like with, with your iPhones, with the iPhone 11 or whatever, you can get low light photos. Yeah. And man, all of a sudden, I was impressed because one of the photos that came in to me was from a, a buddy of mine and, and had a low light function. And you could see the shape 
of the yeah, craft. Yeah, this is the coup de grace here. Yeah, I think this this gives weight to the whole thing. You have video, you've got this, this whole kind of network of people. This is a mass sighting. I don't want to back up from that. Look, this is a great sighting. Let's figure out what this is together because this has so many people with cameras and, and eyes on. But this last image really showed me, hey, there's meat on this bone. Boom. Yeah. I mean, that is a spectacular UFO photo right there. Yeah, man, if I had caught that photo, I'd be pretty stoked. You know, and then to have all the corroborative video and, and, and gosh, wouldn't it be neat if we could speak with people and get them on record talking about this? So check it out, man. Why that photo to me was kind of like, okay, I should really pay attention now is because that was just one of the people standing there that had the low light function on their phone. And what they described to me is that we could all see or, or we could, most of us could see the shape of what the, the craft looked like, but that one photo showed it. It showed the triangle by angle of observation. Let's hear from some of the witnesses. I mean, you, you told me at one point there might be 80 witnesses who had seen it and were willing to share information, at least bits and pieces, right? Yeah, so I'm gonna say 50 plus, cause that is confirmed, but if you think about the response teams that went out, oh, easily 80 people are aware of this event. So I, I think we should hear directly, and, and to give you an, an idea, there's a lot we could say about this, but what I want people to feel is like what it feels like to me when I'm trying to uncover this stuff. This is just, I think 36 hours after this event, something like that, it was just amazing to hear two people were willing to talk with me and I, I recorded the conversation and you get a real sense of what it felt like to be them at that moment. These are two, at the time, active duty U.S. Yep. Marines who were there, saw it for themselves, and here's how they describe it. So I'm a mortarman. Uh, and he's artillery. What are the facts, man? Like, what base? Which which marine base? And what time was this? Two nights ago, it was roughly like 8.25-ish at night. Uh, it was near 29 Palms, California. So I don't know if you're familiar with the base at all, but Camp Wilson is attached to 29 Palms. It's like, it's like a one-way road in and out of the camp. One of my buddies was outside. And he was looking in the sky and then it just kind of appeared out of nowhere and we all came out and looked and then slowly like 50 plus people started coming out and looking those lights appeared out of nowhere obviously a lot of people saw this what did people think they were just kind of they were just kind of like baffled nobody could recognize it i mean we're all in the military so you'd think we've this happened in a number of places I've got reports from other people that are coming in. The video you sent me, was that yours? Yes, that was mine. That was from my iPhone. And the photo, was that a still photo or pulled from the video? Uh, it was a still photo. If you look in the picture, you can see like a black triangular shape. Why are these not flares? Uh, because they stayed there for a solid 10 minutes, just in the same spot. And flares don't sit in one spot for 10 minutes? No, they definitely, they fall. So you personally know that these were not flares. Do you believe this was a craft? Yeah, I would have to believe so. With the picture I took with the black triangular shape underneath the lights, it's definitely not any type of like flare or illumination rounds or anything. I didn't mean to budge in, but I work with artillery and we shoot illumination rounds out of our arty guns into the air to loom uh, infantry guys. And this was nothing compared to what that is. Like this was something none of us had ever seen before. It was a completely different color. The size of the illumination was different. And when we shoot illumination rounds, it's one, you shoot it in the air and let it drop. And then you shoot another one. This was like, obviously you've seen the picture. This was like five right next to each other. And they're kind of reddish. And our loom rounds are like a yellow white color. So this was a craft. Was it hovering stationary? Was there any sound? There was absolutely no sound. No sound, but it was definitely stationary. How big was it? Estimate to me, how big? Compared to uh, one of those stealth bombers, the size. Well, hold on, hold on. Stealth bombers can't hover. Exactly, that's why I can compare it to that, but that's how I know it wasn't that. I would say the size of like three bedroom house. I don't know, maybe bigger. 
you said that there were like objects that came out and like circled it right after and then it, it went dark what do you mean so right before they went out the aluminum popped off over top of it those two orange lights the actual aluminum that went up over top of it and then after that it disappeared like just straight went black and then helicopters started like hauling ass towards it and they went like in the direction of it and then they started circling the area these helicopters were circling for a good bit afterwards and there was a there was a convoy as well that went out it was like a 60 plus truck convoy that we saw go out as well we were taking pictures afterwards it was just straight black it just disappeared what do you think you saw I couldn't tell you. I just know it's not anything that I recognize or any of my close friends could recognize either. So I don't think it was anything U.S. military. Definitely some type of UFO and government was trying to look for it after it disappeared. I'm just trying to figure out what the hell that was. This is a highly documented event. We just don't know what it is. Yeah. Like through exercises that we've worked with a lot of people who use different type of weapons so i've never seen anything like it a lot of questions so at least 50 witnesses probably closer to 80. a lot of those guys took uh photos and videos did anyone come asking for them did our commander say hey did you guys get videos of this can i have your photos did any witnesses get interviewed they mentioned a base response that vehicles helicopters things of that sort Describe that part of it, how the base responded, and then the follow-up, whether there was any. Right, so, so these guys were not part of the response, but they saw a massive response. No, they weren't shaken down. I hear this all the time when I'm in looking at a case, investigating a case. I've talked to you more than I have my commanders or any intelligence agency. You know, I think I just got lucky, man, that I got the tip off and, you know, the idea that I could you know, get hold of people on the base. It was kind of an impossible task and then collect all the visual, collect all the data. But this was a big event in that there's silence about it now and people are left with these huge questions. So there was no official response that I am aware of at this time. In fact, I know there's some denial. And so that's, with the footage, it's gonna be really hard to deny this event happened. They, they scrambled vehicles, they scrambled aircraft. Obviously someone in the command structure of that base knew that this had happened and they reacted. Yeah. But they didn't follow up as part of an investigation. Um, so you, you have to figure they've got sensors, radar, things of that sort. They detected something was up there in the sky. I mean, as we've talked about, I think this is why it's an important time to put this out. I've been doing as much digging as I can for the last two years, but now this event happened. This is something Arrow should know about. This is something that was a mass sighting of a UFO, an incursion over a military base. This was a craft and you know, that information is not being properly passed up. That's why journalists, like we get information sometimes, you know, better briefings than Congress and Senate. It, it's a shame. Well, I mean, we, I like it. But yeah, I mean, we've provided some cases that have gone up the chain of command and now they know about them that they didn't know otherwise. They're about to get another one. Hopefully somebody's gonna pick up the threads yeah. and try to get to the bottom of this. But there's gotta be a paper trail. Somewhere in that command structure, that base, somebody had to write a report about it, wouldn't you think? Yeah, better than a paper trail. They're, they're gonna have, look, this is a military installation. It's a protected airspace. They're gonna have radar. They're gonna have infrared footage. And by sending up all those helos and sending out all those ground troops, look, they thought, remember, that UFO or that UAP, that object, that craft, we, we don't have the full footage of it, but everybody consensus is, it blinked out, it disappeared. Not just the lights, the body of it. The whole thing was just gone. And so they think that they were looking for it, that, it, that they're trying to figure out where did it go. So that's how it ended. What's, what's the total amount of time? And then at the end, it just goes poof, it's gone. Yeah, it was, it was 10 minutes in total because there was, was an individual watching, the, just standing outside, the thing just, in quotes, appeared, watching it for a little bit, first, piece of footage, someone starts filming it. And we have footage all the way through six minutes. I actually have some infrared footage, but I'm trying still to get the original footage of that because that's another layer of information that we can, visual information we can see. But look, man, this is, uh, 
from a bunch of trained Marines. They've never seen anything like it. The thing that was really eerie to everybody was the silence. Yeah. To have something that big appearing and sitting there and then to have this response of let's illuminate it, let's look at it, and then it blinking out or just leaving? Well, you could say, you know, they got some really big balloons, but a balloon can't disappear like that. Yeah, I look, there's, let's let the debunkers yeah. give us all the ideas yeah. of what it could be. Right. And I'm not, I'm also not saying I know what it is. What I'm saying is you got trained military individuals, this should be a highly documented case other than just cell phone imagery. And to me, it was pretty astounding. It really looked like the mass sighting of the Phoenix Lights. I don't know the exact size of it or anything like that, but to have that many witnesses, and this is the power. This is the power of iPhones now, and, and you know, people being able to call journalists, that this information could come forward. Um, did anybody fire on it? Did anybody shoot a gun or, you know, Anything like that? No. So there, there are there are rules, right? Yeah. So like the, the the rules of like kinetic action, so opportunity, intent, and capability. So I think mostly it's it's about discovery. I think that's what the lumen flares were were about, was just getting eyes on and seeing what this is. But yeah, that response after kind of haunts everybody. It's like what you know? Who knows what they were looking for? There's got to be people that know what exactly happened that night. Now, our military, our base there, they can deny it all day long up until today. Today, they can't deny it anymore because there's footage of it and we have witness testimony. And two people, there's a lot more people. Yeah. Um, no media coverage so far. No. This is the first mention of it anywhere. How, how would they? How, how would the media ever know about it? Um, so basically the u.s marine corps should produce a report on this maybe there's one that exists at that base that's still sitting there in somebody's drawer and it never went anywhere it has not gone to arrow we've shown it to some other people that we know that had not seen it before who are familiar with this terrain uh, i think basically we're hoping that a other witnesses who have you have not communicated with us w will communicate with us if there are other images they want to share here's where you share it and then File the FOIAs, let the FOIAs begin. Yeah, I think this is kind of like the idea of how we put something out and say, everybody, we want you to go for it, this happened. It's kind of just exposing the fact that it did happen. You know, been a couple years trying to really suss it out. I've got to the point of as far as I can go, but I, I think that this case being over a military installation, the, the document trail, the mass sighting, this is something that should have been instantaneously pushed up to the UFO groups within our government and said, if there is an incursion of an unknown craft of unknown origin that can hover like that with zero sound, and you've got that many military witnesses that should have been investigated. So here you go, time to investigate. Yeah, let's see what uh, comes out of it. Yeah, fun. I agree, man. So. Anyway, man, there's there's a lot like this, but I hope that we can keep pushing the ball forward with getting information like this out. Um, I, I am not trying to uh, obfuscate kind of who some of these witnesses are. A lot of people are still military. A lot of them don't want to be involved, but there are some people that are out, that are, that are out now and, and will talk. And I think in the future, having one of the eyewitnesses explain to you exactly what they saw, I think that's really important. I got one, one guy in particular that I'd, I'd love to have on and explain what happened that night. But right now, I think it's about the data. And I want this information out and see what people can figure out and yeah. find out. Yeah, folks out there, let us know what you find out. And if you file a FOIA and get a response, let us know. If you were on the base at that time, two years ago today, and have additional information, we're all ears. All right, thanks, all right, man. man. Never have so few had so much to tell, but could say so little. Following this is the weaponized presentation of Jeremy Corbell, George Knapp, Dark Horse Entertainment, and Cadence 13 Studios. Available now for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your shows.